This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Did I press? I did get it recorded. Welcome to the uh, episode of the Blathering that you're just gonna, you're gonna absolutely love. You're gonna love. It's it's not uh, live. I'm not recording this live. That was some. It was fun last week. A little experiment. I, I felt distracted. I felt distracted because anytime I see comments, even if it's four people, forty, four hundred people, if I see comments going, I want to not stare at them like I'm distracted, like I can't concentrate on my own goddamn work, but like I'm I'm concentrated on you. I'm a gentle lover, and I want to make sure your needs are needs are met. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's what I was experiencing last week, uh, seeing uh, you guys interact and those who are watching live on Patreon. A uh, patron. Um, I wanted to service you. There, I said it. So this week, it's just me recording this live to tape. Clearly, because I've already stumbled over a word or two. I don't care. I don't care. I am slightly convinced I have hair uh, growing back. Uh, I, I'm uh, I'm essentially a, a bald man who uh, does a Dr. Jerry bus type of thing to, to put it all together. And it's a weird thing. It fucks with your head. Literally. It literally fucks with your head. Losing the hair. And and, I, and I've been losing it for a long time. Like, I remember I, I moved to L.A. with a long, luxurious head of hair. I mean, it, it had been clipped a little bit. I had a little Noel Gallagher voice is cut for the last couple of years. Then I moved to LA. It was, it, I, I had nice hair. And then I kind of had to shave it down a, a little bit for work for the job, the old security job. Cause you know, how dare you have personality while on patrol. And, um, one of my coworkers who's older than he was like in his late forties was like, you're hey nap Zook. He used to call me nap Zook. You got thin and hair. And I was like 22. And I was like, the fuck you say, but out loud, I was like, Oh yes, sir. Um, and it, uh, it, 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 it was, a um, it was a problem. And, and then later on a friend of mine, and when I say a problem, I mean, it just, it starts to, you're like, Oh God, my, my dad, my whole life was, was, was bald and you know, has lived a good life. <laughs> He's lived a good life. Um, and later on a friend of mine who <coughs> would later go on to be a state Senator. I don't know why that matters other than I know powerful people. Because uh, also, uh, I now know another state senator who used to work for me, and Caroline Menjivar. She's doing wonderful things out there. Uh, look her up. She's a wonderful politician, uh, part of the future. But anyways, this other guy, he, he wasn't, but he's a good friend of mine. And he said, he, one day we were eating lunch. He was an LAPD officer, and he looks over at me, and he goes, you know what? How old are you right now, Ken? I go, hi, I'm 27, 28. He's like, yeah, you got about, yeah, so you got to about 35. Then you're going to be completely bald. And he goes back to his lunch. So all the stuff's in my head. And then, then you know, over the years, started losing my hair. And if you were watching me on the internet, you can't hide it. You lose hair. And I just, I don't want to shave my head. Uh, I need a drink if we're talking about this. Uh, I, I don't want to shave my head. I just don't think I'd look good with it. I had it really, really buzzed down. There was a point where I had like a two on my head when I was uh, uh, early 2000s. And I, I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like how I felt. And I got some knocks and knobs on my head that I'm not sure about. You know, it's a clean head. It's a big head. Like, I'm not just an ego. I'm a performer. I have always have some bit of an ego. But, like, it's, it's the type of head that, that you know, 
can affect the weather, like a good old so I married the axe murder joke. Hit pillow now. Um, but uh, I just don't think it's a look I want. It's not a look I want, especially because like, I have the beard and the black framed glasses that I can wear. Like that, every other guy looks like that these days over a certain age, right? And it's not a bad look. Other people look better like that than I do. I have like five of my friends have that look, and everyone I look, I go, God damn, they look great. God damn, they look pretty, sexy. I I don't think I can pull that off. So I hold on to what's left in my hair. And years ago, years ago, um, a female friend of mine, why is it key that she's female? I don't know. Just want to let you know that I I, I talk to ladies. Uh, but she she said, hey, you know, this is like I was like not yet 30, in late 20s. She's like, you know, what you should do, you, you start now. You start now. Get some of that Rogaine stuff now. Get something now. Try to get now, you know, save what you have. It's like a Star Wars lesson. Don't fight what you hate. Save what you love. Save what you have with your hair. And I didn't do it because at the time, it wasn't as available over the counter. It might have been, you might, might have to go talk to a doctor, and I felt there was even more shame. More shame. Like, hey, doc, I am vain enough that I want to keep my hair, but I'm poor enough that I can't go get some fancy $10,000 hair surgery. I know some people who have that and know of some people that have that, and it's spectacular. One of them's a rather successful comic, and he went and got it done. And he's got a beautiful head of hair. I won't, I won't, I won't describe it. I won't give no colors. I won't just say who. it's his right to know that by himself. And no, it's not anyone that I work with regularly. And I wish I don't have that kind of expendable income. I wish I did. Because I'd do it in a heartbeat. I'd absolutely, if I had $10,000, I'd go to one of those companies and be like, put my leg hair on my head or whatever you do. I don't care. Put some uh, horse mane up there. Let's go. And I've even, I've even thought this idea. Why, why should like uh, the ladies have all the fun or, or drag queens have all the fun putting on wigs and stuff like that? Purple wigs, different beehive hairdos. You get all the fun and you know, you deserve all the fun. You deserve all the fun because a lot of bald fucks uh, like me have ruined fun for you. But you get to do that. So I was like, you know what? Damn, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start wearing wigs. I'm gonna get a wig. Our forefathers did this. Our founding fathers, right? Still judges uh, in countries that do this. Barristers or whatever wear white powdered wigs with curls on it. Like, why not? I let me do it. And not try to hide it. Not try to hide it. I knew one uh, comedy booker years ago had a toupee. We all knew it. No, but no one cared. It didn't look horrible, by the way. It did not look horrible. But, you know, once you saw it, once you knew it, you couldn't unsee it. We let him do his thing. We let him do his thing. What we, You know, he looked fine. So I thought about, like, what, what, this is about five years ago. I was like, what if I just buy a bunch of wigs and I, I, don't, I don't hide it? One week I have a like a flowing like Kylo Ren Force Awakens hair. Let me get a, that wig, and maybe a month later, I have like a sting, uh, not the wrestler sting, but sting the, the the of the police, not the not the local law enforcement agency, but the band. Let me just have like a short buzz wig, like a like almost like a hairpiece type. Of, let me do that, and then you know, two weeks later, I'll, have, I'll just have, let me have a mullet like I'm Danny McBride. Let me just do it, and say so what. What are you going to do about it? I feel good being me, right? And then costly, costly. I don't want to give any false hope here. 
to myself more than anyone else in the audience. By the way, we get serious in the blathering here, too, sometimes. Don't you worry. But this is serious. It's fucking serious, assholes. It's my head. A couple months ago, long time ago now, actually end of last year, Grace uh, recommended something to me. And when I say I recommend it, she bought me a bottle of something. I said, hey, try this. It's vegan-based. It's got witch powers in it. She didn't say that. I added that. I went, sure. What can I lose? You just It's a little thing. It's a serum. And I like the word serum. Feel, I feel like a James Bond villain. Yes, James, we're going to put the serum on your head. And so I started, rub, you rub it in. And, who you know, I'm a guy. I like rubbing things in. And so I rubbed it in. And every night, it, it's, yeah, I'll say it, it's costly enough. Like, it, if I had more allowance money, it wouldn't be costly. It's like 50 bucks a month plus shipping. And I thought, you know what? I'm probably being scammed. But she had some faith in it and seen some commercials for it. And, uh, you know, they're not a sponsor, so I'm not going to say their fucking name. You want it. You DM, you want to know that DM me on Discord. And I'll let you know. Um, and if you're listening to the general public, well, support me on Patreon, fucker. I'm kidding. That was rough. That was that was aggressive. And then you can DM me on Discord. So I started using that. Then I started going to uh, an acupuncturist for my back injury and some other stuff. And I don't know if it's helping my back, but every time I go, it's very relaxing. I feel very relaxed. I come out of it feeling really good. And because I have, I have a sinus uh, problem, I'm always... Um, I mentioned that to her, and she flipped me over like like a like a steak, and started you know poking my face. And every time she does it, my sinuses feel good. It, it doesn't last, but I don't think that's acupuncture is not this fix all. It's just this part of the process. See, she was sticking needles in my head for other reasons, and she goes, "Hey, you know." And by the way, I give her credit for being uh, bold. She wasn't like, you know. She could see I didn't have hair. She's like, hey, you know, for hair loss, there's this thing I can recommend for you. And I was like, well, I've got a, I got a serum. I got a serum. She's oh, like a Bond villain. I said, well, a serum. And so she gave me the other thing, this like pill I take. And the bottle recommends like three in the morning, three at night. I ain't got that kind of cash. So I space them out. And this has been over the last few months. I'm telling you, fuck fucks. I look in the mirror. If I was to take off this beanie, you'd be like, Ken, you're bald. Yes. Totally get it. Totally get it. And would you ask Edge from you 2 to take off his beanie? You wouldn't, dick. But I've been looking in the mirror, and I'm, I swear to God, the God I still believe in, there's something happening. It's something, there's something happening. But I, I'm not going to tell anybody. I, I didn't, didn't ask Grace. And, I, and I've been going to get haircuts, right? And I go to the barber, the guy that helps kind of fashion my hair like Dr. Jerry Buss. Because he's got a great one. He's got a great project on his head. Richard, Richard, Richard's Hair Salon, downtown Burbank. Look it up on Google Maps. I dare you to. Send me a screenshot. This? You mean this? That's the one. I was waiting for him to notice. Because I'm like, this guy's got to notice. This guy's got to, he's got to totally... He sees my my head and my hair about once a month. He's got it. And he hasn't said anything. So I'm like, you know what? I'm crazy. There's no hair growing back in. And by, by the way, we're not talking like I got, you know, like a, like a tree sprouting up. It just, it just it looks different. 
And I can kind of feel there's some certain areas where I'm like, that was pretty smooth in the past. It's not as smooth as it used to be. And then in, in the mirror, mirror, it just doesn't look as as empty. I'm telling you. But I'm like, this is, this is all in my head. Well, lo and behold, you sons of bitches. I'm in a swear mood tonight. Sorry, folks. Sorry, Apple. I'm not going to mark this as explicit. All right? Calm down, Tipper Gore. Uh, I go to my acupuncturist. I haven't been in about three, actually more before Paris, about a month. She's sticking needles in me, as she's apt to do. And she gets to my hair. She gets to my head. She sticks a couple needles in there. And by the way, it feels really good. I like it. And she goes, hey, have you been using that stuff I recommended? And I said, yeah, I have actually. And an additional vegan-based serum, the one I told you about. She goes, oh, yeah, that's right, you're Bond villain. I said, yeah. And she goes, you know what? It looks like uh, you got some hair coming in. And I said, oh, my God, Katie, I, I'm so happy to hear that. I started bawling in her arms. I didn't. I, but I said, I'm so happy to hear. I, I swear on my life it's coming back in. But I'm I'm not I'm never gonna have a luxurious head of hair again. I don't want that. I just I I really feel as though it looks my head my head looks different. She goes, no, I, I'm telling you, I, I see little 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 nubbies. And you know, I love having little nubbies on my head. Who doesn't like little nubbies all over their head? Hit me with your nubbies. And uh I said, you know, again, seriously, I I I've been doing the thing. I've been doing the thing. Putting the serum on, swallowing those pills. She goes, just stick with it. It's a lifetime thing. You're you're reversing genetics here. But it can happen. Trust me. And I walked out of there feeling really good. Feeling like little Kenny Napsock's finally going to accomplish something in life. And then every one of my credit cards, interest rates, fucking hit the roof. I love the credit card game. What a racket. I needed to live. We all needed to live. I remember my parents first, when I first learned of the concept of a credit card, they like have it. They had a credit card. I think, I think they had a master charge as it was called back there, back then. And, uh, it was treated like, it was like the break glass in case of emergency thing, which I don't think is bad, but it's different times. Like my parents bought that house that we lived in for like $34,000 or something. Now, they were making 36 a year or whatever, but yeah, you know what I mean. Times, they change, kids. And I just, so I grew up with that concept of a credit card is what happens when all else fails. And again, I don't think that's the bad way to look at it. But yeah, then you move to LA at 22. You make $7 an hour. Uh, rent goes from my first year in LA, I paid $150 rent. I split a bedroom. That was disastrous, but $150. That's the price of my cell phone bill now. And now here we are. Add a few zeros. Here we go. Life's life it is. But along the way, you know, I'm I'm a I, I do rack up debt. I do live with debt. Who doesn't? Uh sometimes it's been irresponsible spending. Sometimes it's been a matter of either this or we don't eat, right? I have a bad habit of going. All right, you know what? I I don't need this suit today. I have five suits, but I'm going to buy a sixth one on credit. It was me in the mid-2000s. 
Because I don't want to be on my deathbed going, well, at least I saved money on that, not buying that suit. Uh, you know, I give in to my urges a little bit too much. You got to curb those, curb your urges. But anyways, what a fucking racket. I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. But part of the reason um, I don't want to totally open my, my, my a checkbook here, so to speak. But like, you know, part of the struggle I've experienced in the last couple of months where things have been pretty bad financially isn't because I'm spending wildly. It's because credit card companies have played this fucking game where like, first of all, credit scores essentially completely made up in about 1989. So you got to keep that up. So you got to open up, got to get a, got to get a line of credit. I remember one of my uncles telling me, you got, Oh, you don't have a credit card. It's like my mid twenties. He's like, you don't have a credit card? I'm like, no, I don't have a credit card. Because, you know, I, I, I try to live within my means. And, you know, I eat Tina's burritos for 25 cents. And you hope, you know, hope that works. Because that, well, it's not about spending. You got you to gotta get a line of credit. Then you'll never get a credit score. You'll never, you'll never have credit to, to, to spend if you go to buy a car or a house. Or like, oh, shit. I, was, I remember like this. I, I, I drove home in my little Plymouth Colt going, holy shit. I ain't got no credit. What the fuck am I going to do? I got a credit card. I remember my first credit limit, uh, the card was $220. And I just like, I put it on a shelf. Oh, like, ooh, we don't use that. I wish I had that now. Anyways, I could use that $220, open credit. Anyways, you know where I'm going with this. The credit score grift. And then, and then you know, well, your credit score went down because... Uh, you have too much uh, credit in, in uh, relation to your credit uh, limit, right? So, all right, cool. So I'm I'm paying down. I'm doing what I can to pay down these cards. And pet stuff, vets, car repairs. I had to take a trip for work. That was a, a wonderful, life-changing trip. So I wasn't going to not, I was not going to do it. This is the London Paris thing, but you know. That, that wasn't coming out of my inheritance because I don't have one. You know what I mean? Like, if, if, I, if I had an inheritance, inheritance money to spend, you'd see it on my head. It'd, it'd be on my head and a beautiful, luxurious head of, like, multicolored hair. I'd choose all the colors if I had that. Um, anyways, anyways, I didn't even know I was going to talk about this tonight. But here I am. This is what we do on The Blathering, by the way. Hi, everybody. I'm Ken Napsack. Support me on Patreon, patreon.com slash Ken Not just because I'm talking about money problems, but because you believe in me as a human when I don't believe in myself. And um, now they're doing this thing. I'm getting all these letters. I got one today. Uh, Dear Mr. Ken, hello. This is J.P. Morgan Chase Bank. Uh, we noticed that you've been using your credit cards a lot and you have a, a, about a, a high amount of revolving debt. And as it relates to your credit limits, uh, well, uh, we don't feel comfortable with you as a credit partner anymore. So we're going to lower uh, your maximum amount. We're going to lower your credit limit. Okay. We're going to pay off your bills. Okay. Don't miss one. You miss one. You're fucked. So I got that. I've got that three times this month. So what is that? What's the byproduct of that? What's the byproduct of this? Now my credit score is going to go down because the three cards that I had not used, I was just simply paying what I could. I always pay the minimum. I've never missed a credit card payment my entire fucking life. I was paying the cards down. 
one of them was starting to get some room on it to where it's like, oh, okay, I might need to use that one. And now that room's gone because they're like, oh, well, what are we going to do? You seem, you say, Ken, you seem to be using credit cards a lot in 2023 post-pandemic, uh, the collapse of your industry. Uh, anything wrong? There, there is? Okay. Well, we're going to add to that. You get less on your limit. It's such a fucking racket, and we're all trapped in it there. And the powerful keep meeting money, and they keep getting more powerful. The intersection of power and money. And how does that, you know? Here's what I was thinking about it. This is this is watching the WGA strike take uh, hold today, at the time of this recording. It's just started, um, and it's really needed. And in the 2007 2008 strike, I I didn't understand that as much. Uh, it was I was so kind of far removed from that world. Even though the the strike de- directly affected a project I was working on. Uh, didn't go far, the Grassman at Strauss project. Um, I have a different understanding of it now. It's also maddening when you look into it. And you should support it. And you should support it. You should also understand it. And don't be one of these absolute fuckity fucks that, oh, well, AI could just replace you. Or I saw one person, I was in the comments. Don't go in the replies. Don't go in the comments. I was, I was watching uh, an informative video about the uh, right of strike, and I just was like, well, what are people saying about it? You know, a lot of $8 a month blue checkmark people with a lot of thoughts on it. And one of them was like, well, I, I bet would those writers like to come take my job, third shift stock person? I haven't had a raise. Well, here's the thing. Most of the writers that you're uh, enjoying their shows, the you know, not the big showrunner names, a lot of the newer writers, they're, they're prob- they probably need that shirt, third shift stock job. And just like I, you know, I'm doing what I can to get by. You out there listening, are you doing what you can to get by to to raise your kids, to pay off your mortgage, to pay for, uh, you know, in the East Coast, they need oil to light the furnaces in your house. I didn't know that till last year, till Johnny M from Long Island. You need to pay for that. You need to pay for uh, credit card debts. You know, we're all trying to survive. It's no different with writers. I think there's this real, and it's no no surprise if you listen to people talk about Star Wars. I'll never forget the absolute dummy who tweeted Joseph and I. Well, you know, the thing is, John Favreau's never really worked with uh, flashbacks. So that's why they're not really working at Book of Boba Fett. doesn't know what to do with them. The fuck you think the guy that wrote Swingers and has made successful films sits down at Final Draft and is like, flashbacks. Wow. Like, that's the thought process behind a lot of people's takes on the writer's strike that I'm seeing online. They don't understand how it works. Just like I don't understand your industry. So if you're complaining to me about something in your job, your line of work, it's got to be valid. You have the experience. I'm not a guild writer, to be clear, but a lot of my friends are. My, uh, Like I said in the past, my career has been affected by uh, the strike. I know what a lot of them go through. They're barely surviving barely surviving in some cases. But even regardless, no no one currently on that picket line is saying, please make us uh, billionaires or even millionaires. They're just saying, uh, we'd like to have a living wage. The wages have gone down. The process has gone down. Uh, the process, I should say, has been put in place to 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 keep the cost down and to make the powerful more rich, and to hold on to power. 
this is in everything that is bad, it is about power. And it's about fear of losing that power. Every, every situation out there that gets me upset, that should get you upset. That is what is going on here. And I, by the way, the list of CEOs from the major production companies that uh, they're, stri- they're striking against and their salaries, this is my take alone. I don't care. I like Bob Iger. He makes $45 million a year. I think he probably deserves it. Deals with more pressures than I have or you have and deals with 24 hours a day sometimes. Um, it's the face of a billion-dollar company. Like, that, that's a job. That's a stress. $45 million, if that's what the compensation is, more power to him. I don't think he should take any money out of his pocket and, and, and give it to the right. That's not how that works. It's not how that worked. Now, if he wants to go down to the picket line and, and give someone a, you know, a box of tacos, so be it. He'll probably be in trouble with his, his board, but do it. That's not my problem. The problem is it's just the imbalance is comical, tragically comical. And the tactics and the things you're seeing out there, I think, thank God, we more than 2007 are in an era where a lot of this information is more readily available and the information that we can just all share you know, the sudden cancellations of shows. I was watching one of the videos. The I think the best example of it, you can list a lot of Netflix shows, a lot of animation shows, a lot of stuff that happened with HBO Max and Warner Brothers are examples, but they're shows that probably don't affect your life. But if you're a fan of a show like Westworld, which was a big HBO show, did it get as big as Game of Thrones or uh, Sopranos? No, but it was a big well-received, watched show, canceled, canceled suddenly. And it was related to all what's going on. It's related to a desire to not have to pay residuals to writers and crew and actors. You're seeing this. And the industry is changing, and, 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 and a lot of industries are changing in the entertainment industry-related circle. Podcasts are changing. There's less money coming into podcasts. There's less money coming into YouTube channels. Unless you want to do a hate video with red eyes on Kathleen Kennedy in your thumbnail, then congratulations, you're a millionaire. Um, movies, all the stream, all this wonderful advancement in technology that I'm behind streaming and, and watching a movie on your phone. Come on, we live in the future. That the industry is not adjusted to that. And that's absolutely straight highway robbery with what's going on with some of these writers. I've seen it. My friends have lived it. And, you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Third shift stock worker loading, uh, you know, crates, uh, pallets and stuff in in a warehouse somewhere. You got a tough job. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, third shifter. I don't think you'd want a writing job. I, Ken Absock, years ago decided I don't want to be a professional writer in Hollywood in the classical sense. Stumble on something along the way. I've been involved in some writing projects. It's an interest, yeah, but the actual life is pretty crazy. 12, 16-hour days, seven days a week, weeks on, weeks on. Stress, pressure. Why? Because it is a million into billion dollar industry. And just like I think a character like Iger deserves some higher compensation because of the stress he deals with, the company at this level, 
a, a, a writer that's at the genesis of, 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 of a show's creation or writers in a writer's room that are part of a show's success face a ton of pressure. The writers I know, when they're working, are constantly in a state of stress, and frustration, and panic. It's not necessarily fun. It's a calling. It's what we want to do. I want to do stand-up comedy. Complaining about it doesn't invalidate your experiences. It's just saying, here's what it is. And it's it, complaining about it is not to be used as a comparison against you, third shift stock worker. You got hassles and struggles that we can't comprehend. It's the same thing. So you should fight for their right to better compensation and a better style of life and a better quality of living, just like they would want to fight for you if you were in a union that went on strike, third shift stock worker, because maybe you should be. And you're listening to someone who was over the years, I've had some problems with unions. I ran into them a lot in the security industry. There's not always going to be good people in there. But I am of the belief now that you do not throw out the order you try to find and make sure that it does what the order is intending to do. Whether it's the Jedi order or the unions, sometimes it's bad. I've seen some examples of it gone, gone bad. I think I've said before in this show, I think unions protect dirty cops. I think unions hold back the discipline of cops that need it. So there's problems. Sure. But just like uh, Democrats aren't perfect don't throw that out when we're in a fight for people's rights to live. We're in a right, uh, a battle for people's right to uh, health care or uh, a good quality cost of living, uh, you know, situation going on. That's what's got, that's what this is about. We're not talking rich getting richer. The writers I know who are doing well have been writers for over 10 years. An old system that brought in more money. The system still brings in money. But they act as if, those in power, act as if it isn't. But it's making record profits. And they play little games. If you see a show that says, uh, the fourth season of uh, this show is going to be split into two volumes. That is done so they don't have to pay a writing staff for two different seasons. It's two different seasons. It's two different seasons of work, but it's one season we're calling it, volume one and two. And networks and production companies, these big studios have, 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 have forced the hand of shows and showrunners to do that. You even start to see with actors. Saw uh, this story recently, of a, just very recently, of, of a cast, uh, the, the designation of the cast being changed, which is big. There are, you know, recurring and... Uh, um, guest star, all these, these are specific roles that reflect uh, pay and compensation and status and position, not in terms of, of a ego or station in life. But if you see an actor, it's like, oh, I got, I booked a guest star. It's a certain level of compensation. It's a certain level of reward. And if you're a recurring or a series regular, that is more money, obviously, because it's your face on the show. And one show has now made the decision to change the titles of these roles. So what would be normally series regulars, let's say there's six on the show and you got to pay six series regulars, a lot of money. Just think of the friends days. I think people, this is other thing too. I think a lot of people think it's, it's like the nineties when oh, you mean the cast of friends was making like a million an episode. 
That ain't happening these days, Chief. Still a lot of people making money, but it's not happening. And the actors that you're watching on TV or movies are struggling when they're not working. They're working less. Shows Friends was 22 episodes. If they were to do, uh, you know, uh, a new, uh, Friends now, it'd be, it'd be eight. You know, I'm not talking about any reboots or anything, but it'd be an eight-episode series on Peacock. And the actors, instead of being treated as series regulars, now they're like, instead of six, we're going to have two series regulars, and the other four will be called guest stars. It's huge. It's life-changing amounts of money being swiped out of their pockets. And that's what's happening to writers as well. Now, that's a SAG battle. This is our WGA battle. Anyways, not to get into the weeds on that there. Um, I just, if you're listening to me, I'm telling you, support it. Support it. Support those under the thumb of people in power. I think you're right to look at it. I think you're right to... I was going to say do your own research, but that is a negative connotation these days, as it should. But you know what I mean? I'm not saying follow blindly, but I'm saying take from someone who has seen the direct effects of what's going on. Where you're being paper fucked. This term mini rooms you're hearing a lot. It's designed to get the most amount of work out of low paid writers. Not compensated fairly writers churned out spit them out great we pay them less money and then we go make more money off the product that they created so it's a whole thing and it's fascinating because it's a this one is a different vibe to me i think it's around the same stuff it's a different vibe than the 2007 2008 strike that one was we didn't know what was coming I don't say we, again, I'm not, I'm not a guild writer, but we as a society didn't know. I remember 2007, people were saying, well, eventually, believe it or not, shows are going to be on the internet. And I was like, what? Like on MySpace? Like MySpace, remember in 2007, I saw this, it was fascinating. 2007, uh, no social media uh, had an app. MySpace was at the top of the game, Facebook emerging, but they were all desktop. Apps were around the corner being developed, but they, they weren't readily available then. You didn't have that MySpace app in 2007. Now information is out there. You can get the truth. There's a little bit more importance to what's going on because uh, I think society as a whole is changing. We're seeing through things in a way you didn't see before. And even just because someone's making what you feel is good money, they're not just simply asking for more. They're asking for change in conditions. They're asking for the generations to come up behind them. That was a lot of the 2007 strike. They wanted to know, producers, studios, production houses, what are you going to do with streaming? Which I don't even know if we called it streaming then. Uh, I saw a, a tweet, uh, one of the writers on House of Cards, an Emmy winner. When his offer for House of Cards came in, it was uh, tremendously low, lower, and the reason was, well, this is a web series. It's on Netflix. It's just a web series. So we, we, don't, we don't have a lot of money. There's not one person in the fucking world that would call House of Cards a web series right now or ever. So the industry's changing. And this uh, keeps going with what, um, look out at the world. Everything's changing and our ex expectations are changing. I talk a lot about it at the, like, um, 
how audiences changed over the last 10, 15 years, and that caused shows that normally might get away with extreme amounts of violence, um, extreme amounts of sex, which is giggity. But, you know, like, the audience was like, well, we need a little bit more a why behind that. We, we, <laughs> we don't like the power dynamic on display here. This is all through the male gaze. That's all because society started to change. And in that same vein, how we look at those in power, how we look at the history of those in power. It's not just choosing sides and lobbing uh, shitballs at the other side. It's looking at a, at a dumb fuck like uh, Governor Greg Abbott out of Texas, that, that first post that I know he's since uh, recanted and quasi-apologized, but that horrible tragedy in, uh, in Texas of, of, of the guy shooting up, executing his neighbors because they, they dare ask him once again to stop shooting his gun in his backyard at 11 o'clock at night. They're all dead, five of them. And Abbott comes out with the uh, the tragedy of five illegal citizens killed. Our expectations, our, our tolerance for that kind of shit is gone. It's changed. We're not going to let that kind of stuff slide because you're in power and you get to choose the words, which then affects how people look at the situation. You get to choose that moment to put your agenda in, in, into it. Yeah, that's power. That's a power play. We don't, we don't have to sit back and take that anymore. We can call it out. Years ago, you couldn't have done anything. Years ago, Governor Greg Abbott would have said that on the nightly news. You would have read or heard the statement, and it would already have been a day after he said it or hours after he said it. And then you'd get out your pen and whip out a nice angry letter to your local letter to the editor segment in a newspaper and that's how you voiced your opinion. For better or worse, now you can go to that app on your phone and get your opinion out there. And trust me, there's a lot of worse. But I think that's part of what's going on. Information's out there. Truth is out there. The, the, the actual truth. Which, again, <laughs> I sound like one of those anti-vax morons doing their own research. But they're not the ones spitting the truth. They're not the ones sharing the truth. But we can all reevaluate history and history as it unfolds. And in 2007, when the writers went on strike, there wasn't much of this information. The misconception and the mis, you know, the misperception that, uh, well, all these writers are making money and they're asking for more, blah, blah, blah. That's gone. By the way, I'm so, I hated the baseball strike in 94. Even when I was at my most conservative, I supported the players of the baseball strike in 94. Because I say this, like, I like free market stuff. Like, I think there's a part of capitalism that could still be pretty good if we if we stuck to it. And there's a common sense to it that I understand. If you can hit a baseball 500 feet and there's only 180 jobs that require you to do that, you get one of those jobs and that job generates a large amount of income and a large amount of profit, for those who put you on the field, you're the reason that, that they're there. You should, you should get some of it. And again, it's not about the money. It's about, it's about the treatment. That's what there's, these writers are about. They're not million-dollar baseball players. Some of them are making 30000 a year, maybe, if you can get the gig. And most of them are delivering Uber. Uber Eats or walking dogs or doing the things... 
I'm doing and all you're doing to survive. There you go. Did I get, I didn't, I, I got ranty. I went from being bald to, to ranting against powers, the powers that be. All right. I'm not done talking, but we're going to, I, I, I've been forgetting to pause for commercial. I don't even play music on that anymore, but maybe I will now. All right, let's do this now. If, if you're listening, if you're on YouTube, uh, I'm just going to take a couple sips here. All right. All right. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. All right, that's a commercial break. I need that for the podcast. Mid-roll ads generate me the most income. And when I say income, oh, let me tell you something, folks. I'll tell you, over the last two months since really going public with the blathering, I've made maybe, maybe 40 bucks. Maybe. And I know what you're saying. More than you deserve, and you wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be wrong. Mm. Trying, trying really hard. To eat better again. But I'm just going to have to find a way forward where I just out-exercise my food. It's gone beyond... It's gone beyond a lack of discipline. I mean, that's a large part of it. It's... it's I, I just enjoy it too much, right? So, back... Did not restrict myself in London or Paris. You kind of can't when you're at a convention. If you find a vegan food or something, no sugar, something like you can eat, make a healthy choice, maybe you take it, but not. But a lot of times you're on the go. Healthy food is hard to have on the go. It's hard to find. It costs more money. Speaking about those in power and how they hold people and groups down, a, a unhealthy, toxic cheeseburger is a buck ninety nine at this store. The healthy, organic, uh, you know, food that you need to survive that make your life better, it's 10 bucks. What choice are you going to make? And when you're on the go at a convention, you're moving, you don't have time to move and groove. Plus, I wanted to enjoy, I wanted to enjoy all the wedge sandwiches and black curd oasis drinks and uh, um, fish and chips I could find in London and then Paris. Grace and I, as I said on previous episode, just enjoyed every bit of the food we ate. But I came back and I was like, all right, because it's not even about the look. I don't like the way I look. Most of my life I don't love it But I'm okay with it And I, my body stays Relatively consistent If you if you remember back in the old GPA days Ikaika and Josh did that weight loss, loss challenge I didn't want anything to do with it But there I was doing it on the show That we measured three times First, middle, and end I was 217 pounds And something to the T I'm a little less Right now, I'll have you know. But that's that's just, I didn't do anything. I worked out and I ate. I worked out and ate. I just stayed. Now, by the way, I think that's kind of a theme for my life. This is why I'm trying to be a little better about not just losing weight. It's not just about the number. But I think if I can get this going in my own life when it comes to my health, 
I might change some things in my career. I do have a habit of finding a nice, comfortable middle and just doing enough to move me forward and always making sure I do enough to pull me back. It's a fucking huge problem in my life, and it's a huge fucking problem in my brain. And that 217 pounds GPA weight loss challenge, that's how I started, that's how I was, was in the middle, and that's how I finished, is, in, is indicative of how sometimes my life goes. I'll take the big risks, I'll do the big actions, Follow through sometimes suffers, confidence suffers, depression kicks in. Things just don't work out. Sometimes it's what happens when you take risks. Uh, for me, it's still the baseball network I launched. I, I had a lot of wonderful ideas. I did not have the time, the energy, the manpower, but I, I really felt, I really felt I could have something. I really wanted it to be with other people and um, it didn't work out. I'm fine with that. Still have all the logos. Still might happen one day. I had talked to a couple people couple friends of mine and was and kind of floated the idea of, hey, would you do this with me? Where I would take a small percentage, you could take more of it, but let's get this brand out there. And maybe next season we might talk about it. But um, that's for me. And I think I'm trying to face a lot of that right now. And maybe you have that. It's those repeating patterns, those personal themes, those things that you could look at and say, ah, this is what I do when it comes to pizza. But you know what? It's just pizza. But then if you extrapolate it a little bit more and you pull the theme out, that theme string. Is that a thing? Like a silly string? Like a theme string. If you pull it out, you, you see a little bit more what you do in other areas of your life. And I do do this. And people close to me know this. I find a nice, safe, comfy middle. And I don't push forward. It could, it could easily turn into woe is me talk. But, like, I, I, I will tell you this. I, uh, I have a pattern in a lot of different industries, including the security industry, where I am at one point in a situation where the power dynamic, so to speak, is I'm the veteran. I'm the one that's done this. Maybe I started stand-up long before you did, or maybe I got promoted before you did, or uh, maybe I wrote this and was on this show or did something like that before you did, right? And I never hold that over anyone. I mean, in fact, often want more people, the people that I like and trust, I want them at the table. Um, but there's been so many times in my life where someone who was the rookie, someone where I was like almost patting them on the back, being like, they're there, they're there. You're gonna, it's going to turn out, out okay for you. Just look at me. I'm, I'm great at what I do, and it's going to turn out for you. Three years go by, and that person is a star, or that person um, is a regional director. Uh, that's a, it's a person I answer to, right? Uh, or um, they become famous. I've, I've had a lot of those situations. There's a lot, a lot of lists I could give you all. Of, oh, I worked with that person. Oh, I knew that person. Oh, that, that person I actually started, uh, we worked on a project together. And then, and then now look at them there. Or, and sometimes it's dumb fucking luck. But I'm looking at it more as the same with a ch my challenge with weight loss or, or shape. It's nice to be balanced. I'm a balanced person. I talk about this a lot of times with Grace. We get in a car and she's cold She'll crank up that heat to where it's like, I feel like a Simpson character when like the wind's blowing Mr. Burns or something like my fingers are. And then she'll get hot and then she'll crank it back to the cold. And we argue about this all the time. 
I'm like, find the middle. You're, you're cold now. Find the temperature that keeps, that will slowly, a little more slower than you want. It will get you warm. And then you also won't be eh, so hot when you need to crank the air back on. Find the warm, comfy middle. And that's okay. That's not advice she, by the way, needs or wants, I can guarantee it. But whereas it might be something that's good, and maybe I represent that for a lot of people. I'm, I'm kind of a balanced anchor person. I was talking about this with the uh, the very wonderful uh, Nikki Kumar from Imperial Senate Podcast and, 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 and worked with us on, on Casterly Talk, if you know Nikki. Uh, well, the reason I got to like him real fast once I actually finally got to meet him, meet him and work with him is he's kind of an anchor person. Where around him, there's people with higher energy, maybe higher drama, and, and Nick has got a lot of heavy things going on in his life right now. But he's still just kind of a constant and a calming presence in, in a, everyone's life. And he's like that at a party, too. And I think, I, I think that's what I am. So I am the, hey, put the temperature in the middle, and you'll get warm, but you won't get hot, and you'll be okay. I think that's fine. I think that's what I can represent to some people in, in, in some spaces. But as it applies to my life, I think maybe I need to crank up that heat. If I'm cold, I got to crank it up. And I got to get, I got to get hot. And it's not just about, you know, like there's 15 show ideas I want to put on YouTube right now. I want more people to listen to pop rock and radio. I, I'd love if some of you would consider uh, getting some of this merch, uh, the Team Zuck merch, or watch my game streams. It ain't about that. I'm always going to find new things to do. I'm always going to try to remain a, a, an artist first, a content creator second. But can I really commit to something? Can I turn up the heat? I call it also, I've talked about getting away from the dock, breaking the chain of the rope that's tying me to the dock. But even beyond that, one of the reasons I don't break that rope that has me strapped to that dock and I'm just swimming in circles in the lake is, is that's f fear, but I just don't crank that heat up. And if you're cold, crank it up. Let's all get hot together. I'm trying, I'm scrambling with some ideas. I'm trying to survive. And that always takes a lot of energy. This is why there's a growing frustration with Nepo babies in any industry, but Hollywood in particular. It's not even their fault. If I was a rich, successful actor and I had a kid who wanted to act, I'd help them out. I, I'd maybe buy them a shitty car, drive around in a Ford Fairmont and build some character, but I'm going to help you out so you don't have to go through some of the pain I went through. I, I don't mind that process. I don't, I don't have a lot of angst towards Nepo kids. But it's when they fail... To understand the start that they, the head start that they get. Those things of those articles. This person was a millionaire by 25 and bought three houses. Uh, you know, hear their story and four paragraphs down. Well, my grandfather gave me a $400,000 loan or my parents bought my first house and I just, every fucking time, right? That's what, another thing we're all just upset at that. You can't lie about that stuff anymore. You can't get away with sneaking in illegal immigrants into a conversation about a tragic shooting, and you can't get away with just saying the good old days were wonderful. Uh, you can't get away with saying the lost cause was a, a truth, uh, you know, that we should have pity on the Confederate States. You can't get away with all that shit, and you can't get away with some of that basic stuff. Oh, your parents bought the first house that you claim in an article that uh, you owned at 25 and follow your success plan. <sighs> 
But that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I think I distracted myself a little bit. I'm starting to get angry at those kids. I'm trying to survive. That's where I was going. I was trying to survive. You're trying to survive. And if you don't have that head start that other people do, you don't have that helping hand that other people sometimes get, it takes all your energy to survive. And that's why sometimes I'm spinning in circles. That's why sometimes I'm just like, well, I guess I'll do a live stream in which I eat cake. Maybe 2,000 people will suddenly watch that. I have to do those kind of things. I, 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 I don't have the time to suddenly, uh, to, to subtly build something. It does always work like that, but I, I think I have to. I have to, I have to dig in my heels and th- some things and, and turn up that heat. Crank up that heat. Right? Crank up. That should be a song. Crank up the heat. The heat is on. Okay. I'll stop. It's not about taking risks. Make sure you take calculated risks. Make sure you take big risks. But it's about believing. And it's about maybe all of us moving from survival mode to thriving mode. And finding the ways to do that. And I think it breaks. It it begins with the breaking of patterns in your own life. I love the comfy middle. I love being balanced. I love having a, a shot of adrenaline. And going, wow, I had a good stand-up set. I think I am a decent enough comic to go and do that show over there or ask that person to get me on a show or do this. I think that. And then come morning, I go, maybe not. Maybe next week I'll do another show at this place I'm comfortable at. And next week, if I'm good, if I'm good again, I'll, then I'll ask those other places. And I just repeat that. I repeat that comfy middle. So I'm going to take a sip of this drink. It does have some sugars in it. It's an alcoholic beverage. I'm going to formulate my plan for the future. You formulate yours. Let's crank up the heat. We'll meet there next week. All right? That's it for now. That's the blathering. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend. If you enjoy the show, don't be afraid to tell me. If you enjoy what I do, don't be afraid to support in many different ways, including Patreon or just giving me a follow or subscribing to my YouTube channel. Or, you know, telling your cousin, you like podcasts? Do you like kind of quasi self-help podcasts from an absolute madman? Have I got the show for you? It's called The Blathering. And that's it for this week. See you, my friends. Bye.